0: Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for another morning and for worship. Thank you, God, for good songs that stir our hearts. Now we've come to the Word. We ask, God, that you would teach us. Put, Father, a magnifying glass over the truth of these words. Help us to not miss it. Father, put a great weight onto these words that it would sink deeper than it has before. That we would be convicted, challenged, and made by the Word of God. God, we ask Your blessing upon this time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We will finish up chapter 1 today. It's been a good time the past several weeks through 1 Peter. We love this book where we've gotten started. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 22 through 25, the end of the chapter. If you didn't bring a Bible, we have the black Bibles there in the pew in front of you. It's page 1113. 1113. 1113. For the Pew Bible, Peter is a book written by Peter, two Christians. Those who are uh, exiles, those who are probably facing persecution, those who have some hardship in their lives, yet nevertheless, they know Jesus to be the answer, the source, their only hope. The message of Christianity is not that God's going to make your problems go away. The message is that your hope in Him is stronger than your problems. And that the problems will eventually be gone when we go to heaven. Eternity is longer than now. The glory and pleasure and thrill and peace of eternity in heaven with God is far better than any suffering here. Bible-believing Christians are not those who say we shouldn't suffer. We are those that say we should suffer for the glory of God. And First Peter teaches us this. He's talking to people that are this way. And for this reason, Peter is loaded. There are only five chapters in 1 Peter, but it's thick. Usually a verse has lots of commas because he's just saying more and more, qualifying more and more. It's rich. We like that. Today he comes to an awesome passage, the end of chapter 1, where he's going to talk about love and he's going to talk about the Word of God. And being a community of love and a Christian church that loves, and being Christians that know how to love is so important. And I hope that you know that. Today you're going to hear that if you don't love or you can't love, then something is incredibly wrong. This Friday there's a missions conference. It was in Texas, but they didn't invite people to it this year. They do it every year, but this year they didn't invite people to it. They, they did it as a simulcast. They asked people to meet all over the world... And watch it online. So we did that. We had about 20 young adults gather at our house. We set up like a makeshift TV program, live streaming thing in the basement of our house. And we, everybody just huddled up there in the basement and we watched. It was really good. We watched a missions conference from 7 to midnight Friday night. Believe it or not, we had 20 college-age people watch six straight sermons from 7 to midnight Friday night. Because they like doing that. And that was encouraging. But as I was getting it all set up, and I, I get nervous about trying to hook up an, an HDMI from a computer to a TV to make this look good, I'm not good with that stuff. So I got there early in, in my house and was working on it Friday afternoon, and everybody was upstairs. Some kids were napping, some were playing, and Val was tidying up, and I, I found myself down there in the basement. So I, I kneeled down where nobody was and I started to pray that God would work in our young people. And then Val came down and she wanted to pray together, so we prayed together for this. And we were reminded of when we were college students. We started reminiscing a little bit. I graduated college in 2002. And that was, you know, 13 years ago. I started remembering how many people have impacted my life. I started remembering the the professor that would take me out to lunch and teach me and help me learn. I started remembering the man that would shoot basketball with me one-on-one, not because basketball mattered, but because he was helping me become a man of God. I remembered this one man who, who could have just let it go, Saw me in a rebellious stage when I was 19. I wasn't doing bad things, but I certainly was doing some self-centered things. I was involved in church. I was a leader. But I was self-centered, very self-centered. He could have let it go. But he called me aside one day and asked if I would meet with him, and we did. He told me I needed to get a haircut. He told me I need to change a few things. He told me I needed to see a big picture. He told me that Christianity and church life's never about you, I and mean, right now it seems to be. I've never forgotten that. This week, as we were getting ready for that, I found myself praying that somehow God would do, through us in young people, what God did in me through older people. People loving me. This past Tuesday, uh, the basketball season ended for Faraday, and I, was a, I hate that. It was a bummer. But that means that some of the basketball players had a little more free time. So I asked one of them, could, could we meet this week? And he said, yeah. So we were able to get together this week, and we were sitting down, and him wanting me to teach him what it means to be a Christian. So we were sitting together talking about Jesus and the Bible and what it means to live a life of not of sinfulness and yet of trying to love God. And in that moment, I found myself thinking, God used these types of settings 15, 16, 17 years ago in my life. God, would you please do that here in 2015 in other people's lives? Y'all, there is something powerful when we learn to love people sincerely. Love people who have their issues. Love people that get under our skin. Love people that are hard to love. Love people that for years and years and years it seems like they're not listening. something powerful that happens when the Word of God and the truth of God and the power of the Holy Spirit is given to people through sincere love. I want to ask you today, are there any people in the world, maybe here, maybe not here, who right now, without a shadow of a doubt, know You love them. you do anything for them. Are there any people right now that if their house is burning down as we speak, they're calling you? Are there any people right now who if they messed up so bad last night or in jail, they're calling you? Not because you're going to beat them down with how worldly and how many bad decisions they've made, but because they know there's a balance in you of you'll do anything for them, yet you will speak the truth and love to them. You will point them to the source who is our answer, Jesus. Are there any people that know you're the one who carries the truth, knows the hope, has God, and yet will still love them? Is there anybody out there in the world who knows you live better than them? yet you don't act like it, and you welcome them into your life. That's what Christians are, ultimately should be. Living a more stricter, obedient, uh, blameless, upright life. But They don't think that they do, and they welcome anybody into their lives. Is there anybody out there that counts on you in that way? And if not, then maybe we know why our outreach and our witness to folks and our ability to point people to Jesus is lacking. I hope that there are. Peter's passage today in 1 Peter chapter 1 is about this very idea. Read with me, if you will, at verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly. I hear a lot of pages turning. Did we not get there? Let's start over. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 22. I did already say turn to 1 Peter 1, didn't I? Sorry about that. Verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God, for all flesh is like grass. In all its glory, like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Now, this is such a good passage. If you underline or highlight, underline this one. He's going to tell them the thrust here is that like third section after the second comma. Or first comma, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's his thrust. Christians, we have got to learn to love each other from a pure heart. Not love each other if we're lovable. Not love each other if it's good for us. Not love each other if it's not going to wear us out. We have got to learn to love each other sincerely and purely. And if we're going to have a burden to reach the world or see the community around us come to know Christ, that's how it happens. And if we will not do that, then we will continue to be people who are all about Jesus and church, but nobody that we hang out with wants to be. Because we are a walking contradiction to that. His thrust here is to love one another. But we'll get back to that. Let's start at the beginning, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, purified your souls. The last thing that we ever think about ourselves is pure souls. We're not a people who know ourselves to be pure. We are by nature children who are impure. Everybody in here has gone after his own ways. And there are times in our lives where we are not wanting to love or honor God. We are sinful people. The heart is more deceitful than anything else, Jeremiah 17.9 says. Desperately wicked, it says. Who can understand it? That's, that sounds like me more than a purified soul. And yet He says that we have purified our souls. How? By obedience to the truth. This doesn't mean that you obey the truth completely. This means that you have come to the the truth that Jesus is Savior and you have followed it, believed that, and committed to it. You have obeyed Jesus' truthful message of Him being a Savior. If anybody in here... Is a born again believer in Christ repented of their sins saying God have mercy upon me a sinner and asking Him to save you then that is obedience to the truth and that is the only way that your soul may be purified. But for all who do call upon Jesus as Lord their soul is purified because they have believed and obeyed the truth of Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is not at all teaching that at a certain level of obedience to the truth you purify your soul. Not at all. Paul is the most awesome example that we know in the New Testament other than Jesus. And he calls himself the worst of sinners, the chief of sinners out of everybody. This is not teaching obedience will get you there. The whole Bible is against obedience getting you there. It will not. This is teaching that when somebody comes to believe the truth surrender to the truth, commit to the truth, acknowledge that, you know what, I've been watching this church or or reading this Bible now for quite some time, and I'm more aware of my need of God, and I see that God supplies, provides my need for God in Christ. He died for me, and if I will believe in Him, then I will be right with God. That's what He's talking about. And when that happens, your soul is pure. We believe that impure people are pure in the eyes of God when they are clothed in Jesus We believe that impure people are pure in the sight of God when their sins have been washed away. Even future sins are washed away. Even future sins will be washed away by the work that Christ has done because we believe it. And that purifies our souls. That's why Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the pure in heart. Sinful people don't always have pure hearts, yet the power of God working in them is to give them a desire for purity. This is why Christian people can and do and will strive to live pure lives, even sexually pure. There are people out there, contrary to popular belief, that are working and striving and aiming to be sexually pure. Because what God has done in us is purifying our hearts. Purifying our souls, verse 22 says. But he's saying that as a qualifier. He says, since that has happened, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, he says. He's saying that as a qualifier for something else. I want to make one more point. There is no purifying of your soul apart from the truth of the Word of God. Your soul remains impure. Whether you've realized that or not, if you have not come to believe the truth of the Word of God, there is no purification apart from the work of Jesus. There is no getting right with God apart from the shed blood of Jesus. Jesus' holiness, His righteousness, His godliness was for us. And if we believe that and ask Him for forgiveness of sins, then we're made pure. There is no purity apart from that. None. Nobody anywhere. That's how you do it. That's God's message. There's salvation found in nobody else. And since that has happened, here's what we should do about it love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Churches that do not know how to love each other put in question whether their souls have been purified. People, Christians, that do not know how to love each other raise the question, has your soul been purified? People that do not know how to love each other raise the question, has your soul been purified? Do you know the truth? Have you come to know the truth? Because he says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. The people who have experienced salvation in Jesus, those people who have really been made new, new creatures in Christ now have this bigger picture, this bigger perspective, this like waterfall of overcoming, changing my life that allows me to say, if I was still in the flesh, I would want to ignore you, run from you, beat you down, make you feel awful for the way you are, let you know that I'm bigger, badder, better than you, but something new has happened. I'm loved by God. And that love by God that is coming to me is purifying my soul. And I believe that because of what Christ did on the cross. And that allows me to not deal with you the way you ought to be dealt with. That allows me to deal with you the way God deals with us in love. If you've purified your soul, love one another. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And I wonder, how many Christians that have fallen away from church or stopped attending church or or started to wonder if they should even believe what the church is about anymore. I wonder how much of that would have been prevented if the church had just been what Peter tells the church to be, love each other sincerely, purely, from a pure heart. I wonder how many people there are here today who feel like, I don't know if there's anybody here that loves me. Now, as a quick little side note, it could also be your fault that you've not allowed anybody to love you. Because I know a lot of people here that really want to love people, and I know a lot of people who run from it and don't let them. They don't want to be known. They they, they avoid situations and conversations and encounters and services and interaction. So it's not always the church's fault. But I wonder how many people are not loved or they're struggling with their faith and doubting whether Jesus is it because they've never been loved. Tom Schreiner says that the characteristic of a Christian community, the characteristic of a Christian community, is fervent or constant love for one another. Now, I'm not sure what happens out there, and I'm not sure what your, your friends or family are thinking, but I promise you from the depths of my soul that my heart and burden and my prayer every Sunday morning and every Saturday night is that somebody would show up here and they would experience love that changes their life. That's what I hope for. That's why I work. That's why I go. That's, what, that's why I, what I do what I do. And that's why I beg y'all to keep coming. And that's why I beg y'all to stay involved. That's why I beg you to come around. And that's why I beg you to be here because I believe that when your soul's been purified, people will love you and that love is enough to impact your soul and keep you close to Christ. That's what Peter's emphasizing here. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Do you know the power that there is when a church starts possessing pure love for each other? Do you know the power that there is when you realize that it's okay to be honest about your sins because everybody else has sins too? Do you realize the power that there is when we admit that, hey, all of us are needy, needy of God, and so not any of us are even a step above the other. We're all in the same position of needing the grace, the work, the mercy of Jesus. That enables us to love. And do you realize how many people, I know you do, are not close to God today or not in church anywhere today because they feel so beat up, worn down, pushed away by something in religion? Oh, I wish that more people who were opposed to religion knew what it was really like. I wish more people knew what 1 Peter 1.22 said. They're not going to see it. They're not going to hear it. They're not going to read it. They've got to see it. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. If you can reach one of these gray hymnals right there in front of you, I want you to grab one. And open it up just to the very, the very front. like Just this front, front cover. I don't know if you knew this or not. Ever since we got the projector, we stopped using the hymnals. But right here at the front, we have our church covenant. I think every hymnal has a church covenant. Do y'all see the church covenant right there in the front? Look at number six. This is what, when you join our church, we want you to be committed to. You're going to covenant with us. Look at number six. We will seek by the Holy Spirit to love one another. Sincerely while maintaining the unity and peace of the church. We will abstain from gossip, backbiting, and other sins that cause division within the church. Hey, don't you know that every Christian in the world wishes they knew a church like that? Don't you know the power that there is in our lives when people get what Jesus is really about, when people get what the Bible really teaches. And this is why our church is committed to being a Bible church, why we are walking through 1 Peter the way that we are, because we want to hear this morning that if the truth has impacted our lives and purified our souls, then we see bright and clear right there. We see it. That God has challenged us. Peter is saying, love each other sincerely from a pure heart. We want to be able to walk in here this Sunday morning and know, you know what? There are some people here who are struggling. There are some people here who are disobedient. There are some people here that are wayward. You know what? There are some people who aren't here that should be here. And yet, before we start thinking about that, we are thinking about ourselves in that, you know what? I need some love today. I need some Christian community, some friends, some brothers and sisters in Christ, some church people. I need them to impact my life. And Peter is telling us that's what we're to be about. That's why we love reading the Bible because it is calling us to love. It is my burden and my desire. It is our church mission statement. It's on the front of your bulletin right now that we exist to proclaim Jesus while loving people. If somebody gets to know First Baptist Fairdale, they ought to know, man, those people love us. If somebody gets to know First Baptist Church Fairdale, whether they stop in here because their car broke down on a Tuesday, or whether they drug themselves in here on a Sunday morning, or whether their friend invited them or whatever, they ought to say, them are some loving people. Those are some loving people. Y'all, we want people to be loved. We don't want to go out there searching for people to love first. We want to have love radically shaping who we are here. And then that empowers us to go out and do it. A couple years ago, we were here on a Sunday night, and a car pulled up and asked us, could we give them some money? They're trying to get to Bowling Green or something. And... I said, uh, how'd you hear about our church? They said, well, crazy story. I was down here to Kroger on New Cut. And I needed some money. Cars about out of gas. And so I found a cop. And I asked a cop. This is weird to be a cop. I don't know if you're supposed to help people when people ask you or not when it comes to things like people asking for money. Because everybody would be asking you. But anyway, this person says, so I asked the cop, can... Can you give me some money? i got to get to Bowling Green. Well, I don't know how much gas it takes to get to Bowling Green, but it's going to be more than two bucks. I know that. The cop said, I, I can't do that. I think the cop actually did give them like the two or three dollars he did have on him, but that wasn't enough. So the person said, now again, this is a Sunday evening, the person said, do you know where I can go then to get some? It was an emergency. They had to get to Bowling Green. And the cop over there on Kroger at New Cut said, I tell you what. It's a little bit of a drive from here, about three or four miles. But if you can get into Fairdale, when you get down there to Fairdale Road, turn left, and right beside the funeral home is a Baptist church called First Baptist. That church will help you if you can get there. And that person came. And they told me that story. And they may have made it up, but it has rocked my world ever since. Encouraged me. Built me up. Made me say, yes! I want somebody to feel love from us. Because I feel love from God. My soul is purified from God. I think your soul is loved. You feel love from God. Your soul's been purified from God. And what the Bible says from that is that people ought to be getting love from us. I want people to get love from us. I want you to say, I didn't feel like waking up today. I stayed up late last night and it was icy this morning, but I wanted to get here because this is the most loving place I've ever been. This is Bible love happening like the world says isn't true, but I'm feeling it. You love me. And I'm going to keep holding on to Jesus by the way that you love me. And Peter's saying, yep, that's what we're about. Loving people from a pure heart. Hey, I I know some of y'all really well, but I know myself even better than I know you all. And I'll admit there are times where I'm not really lovable. But you know what is so encouraging to me? Y'all love me. You make me feel loved, even though I know I'm not very lovable. I got myself in a bad mess today. I got a really hard, bad... The reason why I'm dressed up like this is because I got a funeral here at 2 o'clock. We got a really, really, really busy day here, and I shouldn't have have made my day this busy. I've got this right now. already taught a class this morning. Funeral at 2. Basement's got to be set up for it. Meeting at 3.30. Meeting at 4.30. Meeting at 5. Worship at 6. Lord's Supper at 6. I messed up today with my planning... And y'all have experienced me messing up a lot with my planning. And y'all love me still. I feel that. I feel that. And that's the way we all should be feeling. Peter says, since God has done this work in you, love people. Verse 24. I'm sorry, verse 23. Then he says it again, kind of from a different angle. The first way he says it is your soul's purified by obedience to the truth. The truth got inside of you. It sank down. It did this work. And that purified your soul. Now he's going to say it from a different way. Verse 23, since you've been born again. Just another way of saying purified your souls. Well, then what made us born again? He says, not of perishable seed. Not, Not something that won't last. Notice this, perishable or imperishable. Some things don't last. We get bananas all the time at our house. Sometimes they don't last. They turn brown. If they've got brown spots on them, our boys aren't eating them. I hate that. They won't. But thankfully, Mama's gotten really good at making brown bananas into banana nut bread. Or not even nut, just banana muffins. And the boys love those. So we got the, we got the boys fooled. They'll eat them same brown bananas in a muffin. But those bananas will perish. They won't last. you know what? What purified my soul and made us born again lasts. Lasts. I'm going on 20 plus years right now. This happened to me when I was 12. This happened to me before it happened to my parents. It's still going. Because it's imperishable. It won't stop. Well, what did it? through the living and abiding Word of God. That's the same thing as the truth in verse 22. The Word of God. This message, y'all, is the answer to life. This message is the truth that can purify our souls. This message is the truth that can set you free. This message is the truth that has come to us. And like that, somehow, mysteriously, miraculously, by the power of God, caused me to understand what I didn't understand. It caused me to see God when for so many years I wasn't seeing God. It caused me to hear the truth of God when I wasn't hearing and understanding the truth of God. It caused me to hate my sins when for so long I made excuses for my sins. I'm all right. Man, I'm a good guy. Y'all met my mom and dad. I've got great mom and dad. I don't really need to do this all-out commitment to Jesus. No, the Word of God came sweet and convinced me I needed a Savior. I needed forgiveness and that God loves me. And it overwhelmed me with that. And it made me born again. And that's not a phase or a fad that I'm going to go, uh, go through. It is imperishable. Not perishable, it will last forever. You know what? On Valentine's Day this year... I. I did it good. I'll admit, There's sometimes I don't. But this year, I did right. We were leaving on Saturday, February the 14th, and so I wasn't able to do something real special Saturday night, so I, I got smart. I ordered her flowers, big nice order set up the week before. It came early. I gave out her flowers on Wednesday the week before, like February 11th or something like that. I was way on top of it. She was surprised by that. She was surprised by that. But because normally it's like February 14th morning and I'm trying to get this guy over here on the side of the road who's selling them out of his trunk. <laughs> but not this year. Not this year. But you know what happened by about February 20th? They're sitting there on the dining room table. Disgusting. The water's brown. Water's starting to stink. The, the, the roses were like this and then now they're like this. Just They don't last. Valentine's Day 2016, I better not be saying, remember those I got you last year? We need something that lasts in us. Everybody in the world has been loved once. Everybody in the world has been loved occasionally. What makes us the people of God is when the truth of this Word has made us alive to God, purified our souls. And so now, you've got my commitment. No matter how bad you are, no matter how far you go, the Bible has said, I should love you from a sincere and pure heart. And you've got the commitment from everybody here that we will love you from a sincere and pure heart because that's what God tells His people to do. Because the imperishable Word is at work in us. And we are governed, ruled, controlled, if you will, by the truth of the Word of God that is setting our souls free, that is opening up our eyes, that is empowering us. Then he makes this statement, verse 24. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. This is a quote from Isaiah in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 40. It's fascinating. It's not saying that bad things end, it's saying that good things end. Do you know this? I hope that your salvation, I hope that your Christianity is not built on something in the past that was so good and you're just trying to hold on to it. Because all good things end. The kids are wanting to play video games. I don't have any good video games. So I went digging yesterday. I found my old original Nintendo from 1985. They're used to playing. They're they're seeing their friends play these awesome hardcore games. and I showed them Pac-Man yesterday. (laughs) I really did. They're playing Pac-Man right now. Graphics aren't quite the same as Xbox One. I was remembering that, man, when I got that Nintendo in 1985 from my parents, this was the coolest thing. I had my little original Nintendo, and Noah, who's four, doesn't really understand, said, can you put Lego Batman 3 on there? (laughs) You know, good things come to an end, they do. Really good things come to an end. You start talking to people, especially older people, man, they'll reminisce about the good old days. There were some good old days. My childhood was some good old days, but they're gone. They're not going to be brought back. I can't stay on that. You know what? There's some good old days being formed right now, but they're not going to last. You know, there were some times where this church was... Booming. Y'all have got a picture from 1959 where you can't even see a pew. Every single bit is full. Every bit of the balcony is full. I think the count is like 540 people in here. Maximum capacity is like 400. 540 people here. 1959, balconies full. Now there weren't all these other churches around. Everybody in the whole city came whether they were believers or not. But it was packed. That was then. This is now. We can't be leaning on that. The good old days go away. You ever mowed your grass in the middle of July and thought, man, this looks awesome. I've swept it up. I love doing that. I got lines. It's green. I swept. I blew it off. Everything looks great. Give it a week. It's going to be back looking wild. Now the good old days don't last. The good old times don't last. We need something new, fresh, real, that never ends. And the only thing is the truth of the Word of God. We must be a church and we must be people where the Word of God has purified our souls. The Word of God has made us born again, and that will not stop. And so you know what? Churches might change, buildings might change, looks might change, fads might change, hymnals might go out, projectors might be needed... Video games might be the thing. Outdoor play hide-and-go-seek all day might be the thing. Riding bikes might be the thing. Riding bikes might not be the thing. Things come and go. We must be a people who have said, the Word of God is imperishable. It's a seed that came into me. It took root. It made me new. Now my soul has been purified. And because of that power, I want to love people. I want to. I want to. Everything else fades. Pretty, glorious flowers fade. Grass withers. Flowers fall. But the Word of God remains forever. And then He says this at the end. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. He reminds them that what I'm telling you to do is what happened. And that, y'all, is so strengthening. Strengthening. That's why I began with what I began with. I remember 1998, 1999, having adults impact my life through church and love me and it shaped me. And so I'm praying God would do the same thing. I remember being a a, a 20-year-old trying to figure things out. And having church people help me grow up. I remember having sin in my life and people saying, Well, I'm just gonna tell you honestly, you gotta stop. You need to turn from that. I remember being told, I need to not be hanging out with those people. I remember being told I need to be in church more. I remember being told it's gotta to be, it's gotta have some substance to it it's with the word of God. You can't be this type of Christian who's evolved with church but doesn't know the word. Everything else is perishable, but the word is imperishable. I remember being warned you're going to fade out or burn out or you're not going to last. You're going to be a statistic or this. But if you want to be real, get into the Word, let that root happen, purify your soul, make you born again, and that will never perish out of you. And since I know that I've seen it, I know what happened, I'm strengthened on that it can happen. That's how He ends chapter 1. This Word is the good news that was preached to you. Folks, we can take comfort and and, and, and power, strength, in knowing that when we love people sincerely, God will change their lives through the truth of the Word of God. Anybody you know, anybody that needs God, when they are hearing the truth of the Word of God combined with love, it is powerful. Powerful. I want to ask you today if your heart feels changed, purified, new because of the truth. And if it does... Allow that to push you toward loving people. And when we all say, and I want to interact with some people so I can show them the love of God, y'all, we will be such a strong church. People will love being connected to First Baptist Fairdale because they're going to get love. And Peter says, since God's done that to you, love people. And then he reminds you that's the word that was preached to you. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I need to get saved. I need to know Jesus. You know, one of the things that's common among good folks is that they're good at loving some people. Church can't be that, we can't pick favorites can't be partial. Maybe you're here today and you think, I need to have my soul purified. I need to let my religious life be formed off something imperishable, the truth of the Word of God. Maybe you're here today and you know that you're not saved. And that's just what you need to do. You need to get right. You need to realize that the good things will end. The good things will end. Let's don't put any stock in the good things. I love my childhood memories. I can't build my life on those. Our life's got to be built on the Word of God, the truth of God. Let's pray. Father, lead us to You. Cause the truth to sink in. God, help us to know that we, like flowers, will fade and die. Josh Green and every other man in this room won't be here. All those great leaders in our community, God, are not going to last. Pickpack's gone, Father. Pickpack's gone. Now it's cash Saver. God help us to realize that that's us. We're not going to be here forever. If we want to make a difference, it's only going to be as connected as we are to the Word of God. God, we got this awesome high school up the road that got awesome news this week. On the, we all watched it on television. God help us to understand that life change happens through the Word of God. Help us to know that we can make an even greater impact on lives and souls. God, I'll do a funeral today in just two hours from right now. We'll be reminded of another life that's over. All flesh is like grass. Father J.J., Eli, Noah, Carolina... Our little baby, Liliana, they won't have me forever. I'll be gone. But the Word of the Lord remains forever. They will be safe and loved and eternally happy if they know the truth. God, help our church to so live like that. So love so that people get that.